Exodus chapter 14, we'll read verses 14 through 22 together. Exodus chapter 14, we'll read verses 14 through 22 together. We'll read this passage responsively. I'll read verse 14. you join me on verse 15. It will alternate all the way through verse 22 that way. Then I'll pray and you may be seated and then we'll start right into the sermon tonight. Exodus chapter 14, verses 14 through 22. I love this verse. Verse 14 makes me want to shout. Uh, Exodus 14, verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou not to me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and a darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And let's finish on verse 22 together. Ready? And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Lord, use me tonight. Lord... I'm really not interested in preaching a great sermon. I'm not interested in being uh, the most exciting preacher, but I sure would like to preach your truth your way. I'd like to be able to convey a thought that you've given me to help your people. Lord, I pray that we would have a spirit to receive it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, uh, I love the... I love the crossing of the Red Sea. Brother Barnes, is there a way I can get some more volume out of this thing? Uh, I don't know what's wrong with it, but it's maybe my voice, but I feel like I'm screaming into it. No, anyway, uh, if I can get a little bit more volume and a little little less uh, bass in it, uh, that'll help me just adjust it, and I'll give you a thumbs up. I'm going to keep talking. But the crossing of the Red Sea, that's a little bit better. That's good right there. Leave it alone. Don't touch it, or I'll break my finger. All right. Now, the crossing of the Red Sea is a very powerful uh, story. And I use the word story, but it's an event. It's a recorded part of the history. And it's maybe one of the most interesting events in the Bible. It's so applicable to us today because we still face impossible things. Have you ever noticed life isn't easy? Did you ever notice... Problems come, sometimes so big you don't know how you're going to get through it. Uh, we've been there. And you say, well, preacher, you're, we're Christians and everything's supposed to go easy. 
Who are you listening to? What Bible are you reading? God never promised just because you got saved that all your problems go away. Uh, matter of fact, sometimes you get in more problems because you're saved. Uh, but there's, uh, I was helping someone and as I began to help them, I used this story, uh, in Exodus and I'm going to use it to help you. Let me stay a little bit with the theme of, uh, July 4th, just w- one last time here, but 247 years ago, America faced a Red Sea crossing. We were breaking away from Great Britain to become an independent nation. You talk about the most unlikely of all things, a little, no, no cause group of people in America trying to break away from the world power of England. Uh, the Bible said at that time, or the Bible history records that at that time, the sun never set on the British Empire. That means all around the globe they have had constituents all the way around the earth and it it was very powerful. Now, uh, we broke away and by the way, it not only changed our history but it's changed world history from then on. Had a few people not done what they had done, world history would be much different today. It really would. It was a Red Sea crossing for America. The Hebrews here have been led out of bondage of the slavery of Egypt. Let me remind you, they had been there because 500 years before almost, Abraham and uh, they went to, or uh, Jacob had gone there in the famine. Joseph had been administrator there, had sold into slavery. And Abraham and and his followers, the 70 that came with him, they, they, they stayed there after the famine and for 500 years were prospering. Realize that's twice as long as America has been a nation. Think how many people were born and grew into that area in 500 years. That's like going back into the 1500s and 1600s for America. Now, uh, a lot had taken place. We know of the 10 plagues that God used Moses, brought Moses back in, uh, I'm not going to go into all the story, but the 10 plagues and finally the plague of the death angel and the firstborn were killed and the Pharaoh finally said, get out of here, just go. And the Bible says that they left and went to the Red Sea. Now, there's some so-called Bible scholars, that means they have more degrees than temperature, they say, well, they, they went up. That means they went across the, what they, what is known as the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. Well, I hate to tell you something. God's not stupid. And what God says, we ought not change. Well, the Reed Sea is only in ankle deep water and they would have never been able to cross the Red Sea. Well, it's a bigger miracle than that, that Pharaoh's army drowned in ankle deep water. I just happen to believe what God says is what God meant. He says, well, they went up. Okay. We think the word up means north. Up means up. If you understand how Africa is laid out, it, the water flows in the Nile River from south to north to flow into the Mediterranean Sea. 
The mountains are south of Egypt and everything flows down. So they went up into Egypt, meaning they went south towards the Red Sea. Uh, it's very simple, very basic. Now, uh, Moses leads these, by the way, it wasn't Hollywood and Charleston Heston. Uh, Moses is leading somewhere in the, in the, in the ballpark of three and a half to five million Hebrews. That's a lot of people. That's like moving the city of Chicago in the metropolitan area of Chicago without a microphone and a bunch of whining, complaining Jews on top of that. Good night. And by the way, it's not just the people. It's all their belongings. It's their herds, their animals, everything they owned. I mean, can you imagine the U-Haul and Penske trucks on that one? Uh, so he's leading them through this wilderness. It's Much of it is desert. They, after several days, get to the Red Sea, and they look ahead of them, and the Red Sea is here, and behind them they can see the dust coming from Pharaoh's army coming after them to bring them back. Now you talk about being between a rock and a no place. That's them. How are they going to get across? What are they going to do? To make matters worse, <laughs> Pharaoh's army is pressing in pretty, pretty tight. Now, I'm going to say something here that may surprise you. I'm not sure about you, but I think I'd be a little bit worried, wouldn't you? Now, I think I might be able to get most of the way across the Red Sea. It's a 15, 20 mile trip. But I'm not sure I could drag my wife and three kids across there and all my animals and all my stuff. I might make the swim myself, but I know my wife isn't. I can understand why the Jews were afraid. But let me remind you, they had just watched over the last three months, ten plagues take place. They've watched God do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Do you think God would do all those things just to lead them out and let them die by the edge of the Red Sea? I don't. God goes through a four-step process to deliver the Jews to get them across the Red Sea. Let me say this. Every person in this room, you're going to face Red Sea moments. You're going to face those times where it seems impossible to get through it. The death of a spouse, the death of a parent, the death of a child, the uh, changing of things in life and just cataclysmic things. I could go on and on and on. And you say, preacher, how are we going to get through this? I don't see how to get through. You don't have to see how to get through. You just got to trust God. Now, let me explain what takes place, and then I'm going to jump right into the sermon. God tells us that he was leading his people with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It's very interesting. The key word there was pillar. That cloud during the day was air conditioning for them in the desert. And if you know anything about the desert, at nighttime the desert gets cold. There's nothing to hold the heat. It'd be 110, 120 during the day and drop into the 50s at night. And when you go from 120 to 50, you're, you're cold. And he would turn that pillar 
and let the fire warm them up at night. But when they got to the Red Sea, God allowed that pillar of cloud, Brother Ron, to come down. And it came down between the children of Israel and the Egyptian army. And the cloud was on the Egyptian side, but the fire was on the children of Israel's side. Now here's the neat part of it. The Red Sea is to their west, or to their east, I'm sorry. The Egyptian army is to their west. The darkness is here, the light is here, the Red Sea is there, and God causes an east wind to come. In other words, the wind blew from across the Saudi Arabian desert, dry, dusty air. Blew straight at them, hit that pillar of fire in like a convection oven, started drying out the Red Sea. As God parted the waters, it went back in a heap on both sides, and that air moving across that land that had never seen daylight before had never seen fresh air before. God's taking that hot, dry air and it's circulating back and around, continually drying that out all night long. And I hate to tell you something, it wasn't a patch as white as this auditorium. Do you know how long it would take to move three and a half to five million people and all their animals and everything through uh, something as white as this? It probably was a mile or two wide. And even at that, it was still uh, it was still lined up. They just didn't walk across like a football team. They were stacked up. They were taking their cattle and their camels and their donkeys and all of their belongings and getting them across. And they were moving across. And the Bible says they went on dry ground. <laughs> they get to the other side and they said, uh-oh. It's about a 15-mile walk across there. It's a whole day's journey. You have to understand, they, they go down anywhere from three to 600 feet. You have a wall of water three to 600 feet high. That's anywhere from one to two football fields high on either side. Now, can you imagine being pretty, pretty close to the edge of that thing? Not me, buddy. I'm going to be in the middle. I like water, but I ain't doing that. I can see a bunch of Baptist kids out there. Look at the fish. Look, this big aquarium. <laughs> Got one, Mom. <laughs> Lunch. You know, I, who knows? Now, wait a minute. I can see them getting across, and then they look back, and they see the Egyptian army coming. Well, you brought us out of here so they could chase us. God does another miracle, and they're already complaining. Moses said, God, what should I do? And he said, take your rod. Lift it up. The Bible says that God started loosening the wheels on the chariots to where they were driving them without wheels. They were dragging them through the dirt. And they said, uh-oh, something's not right here. And when Moses took his rod and lifted it up, the Bible says that the waters came back and crashed over top of the uh, Egyptian army and killed them all, including the Pharaoh. Their bodies washed up on both shores. Now, we all face those things. I'm going to ask you a question. 
Just because they saw that all take place doesn't mean they weren't afraid. Doesn't mean they had confidence all the way through. Let me give you four statements here to help you tonight about the Red Seas that we face. Point number one, the dark clouds will come behind you. The dark clouds will come behind you. We see them building like storms. For 35 years, I've been in the ministry almost. 43 years, I've been preaching this month. I've seen a lot of dark clouds. I get the phone calls. Preacher, it's cancer. Family walked out today and said, pray for us. I got a four-year-old, I think, grandchild that's got leukemia. Oh, my soul. My heart broke. I could go on and on. You know, even in my own family, between my daughter and my daughter-in-law, we've got five grandbabies in heaven. I understand. I understand that last December, my son and daughter-in-law had three foster kids ripped away and their hearts broken. I get it. I get it. Crushed. Yeah. Adoption was supposed to have been finalized a month before they took one of them. What a mess. I get the phone calls from the preachers trying to help them and their churches. Uh, Brother John Mark told the story of family in Brother Fugit's church that lost five people in one car accident. I saw the funeral uh, pictures with five caskets lined up end to end at the auditorium. The wife, the mother-in-law, and one of the daughters couldn't even go to the funeral because they were still in comas at the hospital. And when they woke up, Brother Fugit had to tell them how many family members had died. Now, how'd you like to take those phone calls? Those are dark clouds. That's a, a Red Sea that seems impossible to get across. You see the storm building behind you and you see the dark clouds behind you. But may I say this, God can use those dark clouds to halt your enemy. They focused on the darkness of the cloud, but they didn't realize that dark cloud was stopping the enemy from pursuing any farther. You're afraid of what that darkness may bring, but may I say something? God may be holding off worse because of the darkness. Quit looking at the storm and being afraid of it and realize what God may be doing with that storm. May we not focus on the darkness behind us, but the crossing before us. See, they were looking the wrong direction. They were looking backwards. God wanted them looking ahead at the light and the drying of the ground and the parting of the waters and uh, what God was doing. But they were worried about all that darkness behind them. Bless the Lord, when the darkness is behind you, you're already past. The darkness that seems to threaten you now may be God protecting you from the enemy. I've used this so much recently, it's almost become something I'm going to print and staple to the phone. The rear view mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield. 
Too many of us, if you drove looking at nothing but the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. When you're only driving by what was behind you, not what's ahead of you, you're going to stop real suddenly and tragically. What's back there is for reference, not for dwelling. There's a reason the windshield is a hundred times bigger than the rearview mirror. We're looking at the wrong direction when we're looking at the dark cloud behind us. We ought to be looking at the deliverance that awaits us. Why is it that we humans want everything the way it was? Oh, if I just had my kids back as babies. No way. I enjoy sleeping a little. God knows I didn't change diapers then. I still don't want to change diapers. My daughter and grandson are going to be here next week. And uh, you say, preacher, are you going to love your grandson? Of course I am, but I ain't changing that little critter. Ain't no way. Didn't change three of my kids. I'm not changing my grandkids. If he gets dirty, I can't smell, so it doesn't matter to me anymore. As long as it ain't running up his back, here you go. I had to laugh. Michael gave him a bath the other night and just pulled him out of the out of the bath seat and he needed another bath. It all came out. He said, I had to start, I had to clean everything up before I clean him up. I had to laugh. I'm sorry. He said, ha, 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 ha. Wait a minute. Sometimes, though, we, we look at that and we say, oh, I wish they were babies again. No way. There's too much work with them critters. Now, are they sweet and precious? Yeah, but if they stayed a baby their whole life, something's wrong. I thank God my kids are adults. I don't have to pay their bills. They don't have key to my house. I love it. Man, I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying my grandson, of course. I haven't seen him since since he was born. Now, we talk to him every day by, what do you call it, FaceTime or whatever that is. And, and I'm thankful for that. But I haven't held him since he was a week and a half old. No big deal. He won't remember. I'll catch up, amen. Now, wait a minute. Can I tell you something? Let's not worry about what's behind us. Let's look before us. I said this the other night at the tent revival. As I held my newborn grandson in my hands one, one day, and it was just him and I. I looked in his face and said, buddy, your pawpaw may not get to spend much time with you. What time we do get together, it'll be sweet. But your papa is going to do everything he can to hand you a heritage that's godly. Hand you a country that you can grow up in that's free so that you can do what God wants you to do. I made my grandson that promise that day. I may not get to see him grow up like I'd like to. But I can hand him something when I take my last breath. Let's not live looking backwards. Even if you could go back, everybody else has changed. Did you ever go back to a class reunion? <laughs> Isn't that a disappointment? <laughs> Isn't that an eye-opener? Everybody's changed. Yeah, you have too. Look in the mirror. 
Compare it to your high school graduation picture. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Stupid little twits back in Ohio went back and preached the 50th graduation for the Christian high school I graduated from. One of the stupid seniors said, well, were you in the first graduating class? I said, shut up. I wasn't that old. I said, maybe the 10th, but not the, not the first. Now, wait a minute. Uh, who wants to live the past? It's gone. There's some of the past I'm glad I don't have to live over again. Man, I'm glad I've learned some of my lessons and don't have to do it again. So the dark clouds are going to come behind you. They're going to build, but realize, though they may hold storm, they may be holding the enemy off. Number two, the strong hot winds are going to hit you just before deliverance. It's going to get windy. It's going to get nasty. It could get hot. The heat of the, the battle may be coming, but realize on the other side of that heat is deliverance. The winds may be strong, but may I say something, don't focus on the clouds and don't focus on the wind, focus on the deliverance. Don't you think a God that could hold the water back, divide it, enough for three and a half to five million people to, to walk across on, he could dry the ground that has never seen daylight or dryness ever. Don't you think a God that could do that could keep it open long enough for you to get across? Why is it that we always complain about what was and what's behind us? Well, I don't know what's out there. Just keep going. There's one thing I've learned in life. Just keep going. It's when we stop that we get in trouble. Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm still walking. Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow thee all the days of thy life. But if you stop, goodness and mercy cannot follow. Goodness and mercy can't follow something that's not moving. And you've got to keep going through the storms and through the valleys of life to get to the blessing on the other side. I may not be much, and I know that. But I have learned one thing. When the time gets tough, I keep on going. I may not see the next step, but I'm going to take it. I may not understand what's out there, but I'm going to keep on going. Hey, you try to build, (laughs) buy land, clear it, build a building, no commitment. Volunteer giving. You talk about being crazy, that's what this preacher is. That's how you do it. People down at the county didn't understand me. They start taxing this and putting money on this. I said, hold it, hold it, hold it. That's God's money, not yours. I was sitting in a meeting with a bunch of engineers. I had the whole engineering department of Jefferson County together one day. I said, you bunch of ding-dongs. I said, you've made me change one drain pipe eight times, cost me $13,000 and still can't get it right. I said, y'all are dumber than a box of rocks. Well, we plan on two or three changes for everything. And I said, you're the only people in the world I know that can plan to fail three times and call that success. 
I said, you're going to listen to a Baptist preacher for a second. I said, I can't preach a sermon three times and then say, I got it right, y'all, now listen to it. I said, what if the only way you got your paycheck was to go door to door and get people to volunteer their money and give it to you? Oh, we couldn't do that. I said, that's how I get the money to do what I got to do for you. I said, now back off. Let me help you. I taught them how to do it so they don't have to do it eight different times. So then they only did it five different times on the light. We got better. We're going to find out how it is with the mobile unit. Can I tell you something? Uh, let's just keep going. When the times get tough, don't run away. Run ahead. When things get scary, don't stop. Keep going. Did you know the worst thing to do when you get scared is to stop? But what's the first thing we do? God says, keep going. Keep going. The winds are blowing, preacher. Keep on going. Fastest way through is to go through it. The hot winds of opposition may be hitting you, but may I say something? On the other side of that is deliverance. <laughs> you ladies know what I'm talking about. The first labor pain hits. You thought nine months were bad. The next nine hours or 19 hours or whatever many hours is going to be worse. You say, oh, it's, it's worth it all. That's the difference between a man and a woman. <laughs> Ain't no man in the world ever going to go through that once, let alone do it again and again and again and again and again and again for some. <laughs> Man's got better sense than to hurt like that more than once. God used the dark darkness of the clouds and then he used the east wind to slow them down his people are supposed to keep going number three <laughs> listen to this statement very carefully there will be fear in the middle of your deliverance not maybe there will be did you know <laughs> fear is going to come Oh, not me, preacher. I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah, you're, you're probably more fearful than you know. You're just not willing to admit it to everybody. I don't mind telling you, Brother Randall, if I had to walk through that Red Sea and see that wall of water on both sides, I'd be a little bit nervous. God, I hope you can hold that thing up a little longer. Let me get through here. <sighs> Been there, done that. They were walking on ground no feet had ever touched. Think through that for a second. They were walking on ground to where their feet were the only ones that would ever in history touch. Can I tell you something, Christian? We're walking through history no one has ever walked before. Let's not be afraid. But if you're afraid, keep walking. Oh, preacher, it's just getting so bad in the politics. And God told us that in the end days, things would get worse and worse, not better and better. Proof evolution doesn't work, amen? <laughs> On top of other things. They had 15 to 20 miles to cross that way. Imagine getting out in the middle of that thing and an earthquake hit. 
Ground starts shaking. Now that's enough to unnerve anybody. Oh, Lord. Well, if he can hold it up during, without an earthquake, he can hold it up during an earthquake. It ain't going to spill over the top. Don't you worry. <laughs> they knew God was holding the water back. Nobody else but God could do that. <laughs> but may I say something? If you stop, the enemy will come get you. If they would have stopped in the middle, guess what? The Egyptian army would have met them in the middle. The only way you will see success is to keep going in spite of your fear. Preacher, I, 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 I don't know what's next. You don't have to know what's next. You just have to know the one who does know what's next. You don't have to see if you can see the one who sees. You don't have to know tomorrow when you know who holds tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Well, but preacher, what, what if, what if, what if, quit living in the what if world and let's live in the what I do world. Why are we so afraid of what we cannot see and what we do not know? I can tell you why, because we want to be God. We want to be in control of it. We want to understand the beginning or the end before the beginning. Oh, that's only meant for God. Quit trying to play God and just obey. It's amazing how much more I understand the more I obey. Preacher, do you know? Do you know? Probably not any more than you do, but I know this. I'm going to keep going whether you do or don't. I'm not letting any grass grow under my wheels. I'm going to keep on moving. I may not know where it's going to, <laughs> going to how, what path I'm going to take, but I know who I'm going to follow. Say, well, preacher, what if you get cancer? I'm going to preach till I die. Well, preacher, what if this? What if that? Hey, you just keep on going. I can't live in the what if world. I've got to live in the reality of this is the path I take and let's take it. <laughs> but you have to keep moving. Don't stop going. To turn around and go back, you face the enemy. To go forward, you see the deliverance of God. Why will we let fear keep us from deliverance? I watch so many people ruin their life because they're afraid. I've watched marriages crumble before they ever get to the altar and watch couples break up. Why? Fear. My college president used to say it this way. Don't undoubt in or don't undo in doubt what you did do in faith. It's amazing how much we'll undo because of doubt. Well, I'm just not sure. Look, if you are over the age of 25, life has not turned out the way you planned. Guarantee it. <laughs> if you're over the age of 50, <laughs> there ain't nothing in your life the way you planned. <laughs> Trust me. Of all your dreams and plans, you redreamed and replanned them all many times. Why do we let fear keep us from deliverance? Well, preacher, I'm just so afraid. Oh, I'm just so afraid. Well, keep on going. Sitting there crying about it's only going to cause the enemy to come by, come by and get you. And if you're not on the other side when the when the arm went up, you're going to go deep sea diving. 
you're going to be swimming with the fishies. And you can't breathe like them that deep. So, don't focus on the dark clouds, focus on the crossing. There's going to be fear in the middle of the deliverance. The strong winds are going to come just before deliverance. Number four, God will take care of your enemies once you get through. Why is it that we always focus on the enemy? (laughs) Please listen to this very carefully here. Look at verse number 23. Exodus 14, verse 23. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea. Even all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels. And they drave them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. They said, "Uh oh, we're in trouble. Now, I want you to notice something. The, the, The Hebrews weren't fighting them. God was. Remember the verse we read in verse 14? The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. But the Lord's only going to fight for you if you keep going forward. He can't fight for you when you stand still. He can't fight for you when you become overcome with fear. He's not going to fight for you when you disobey in, 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 in doubt. He's only going to be able to fight for you as you obey. Please listen very carefully here. You don't need to fight. Just obey. I really don't fight many battles. The only thing I fight is me to obey. I don't worry what people say. I don't worry what the attack is. I don't worry when the threats come. I just have to keep myself focused on obeying the word of God and obeying God. There's things that have happened in the last ten and a half years of this church that would curl some of your heads and some of you that don't have hair, it'll curl your scalp. <laughs> You're welcome, Brother Randall. Someone once said that God only puts marble on things that are expensive, but anyway. Uh, now, wait a second. I, I, I've gone out to my vehicles and seen curse words written all over them. Thank God my enemies aren't real smart and they only know four-letter words. I've had to go to the car wash on a Sunday morning at 4.35 o'clock to wash off the stuff off my, my vehicle so that it didn't sit in the church parking lot with profanity all over it. I've had people try to burn my house down. I've gotten threatening letters that threatened to bomb our church. Had to turn it into the FBI and uh, all those departments and have them seek it out. Say, preacher, you did that? Yeah, on Sunday mornings. Say, but you didn't tell us. It wasn't your battle to fight. That was mine. Say, but, 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 yeah, what you didn't know didn't hurt you, did it? 
And I wasn't panicked. Still not panicked. What's the worst they could do? Send me to heaven? (laughs) Threaten me. Go ahead. Kind of like the story of Dr. John Rice. Dr. John Rice, an old, 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 old preacher. John Rice was about as exciting as a haircut to ever listen to. Anybody ever hear Dr. John Rice preach? Oh, my soul. All right, take your Bible. Turn your Bible. That's how we talked. He was one of those guys that was so smart that nobody else could keep up with him at times. But he had the power of God on his life. Dr. Rice walked out of a conference one day, and a guy walked up and stuck a gun in his stomach and said, Give me your money or I'm going to blow your brains out. He said, With your gun pointed there, you're going to blow my stomach out, not my brains. My brains are up here, not down there. He said, now put that thing away. He said, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Stood there with the guy who had a gun in his hand, won him to Jesus and took the gun away from him. Now, I'm not sure I'm that, that brave. Uh, there may have been bloodshed that day. I don't know. But I know this. Old Dr. Rice, buddy, he just let her fly. Can I tell you something? He wasn't worried about the battle. He said, you can't threaten me with heaven. He said, do you know you're going to heaven if you died? No. Put that thing away. (laughs) Opened up his Bible and won him to Jesus. Now, I'm not that spiritual. I'd have been pushing the gun out of the way, reaching for mine. Sorry. I'd say, since you're dying today, do you know you're going to heaven, you know? (laughs) Pray quick. The sig hath spoken, amen? God started loosening the wheels on the chariots and the wheels fell off and the men that were sitting in them and riding in them, they were riding on the bottom. It's like the wheels falling off your car still trying to drive. (laughs) By the way, do you know that less than 15 years ago they have found in the bottom of the Red Sea chariots and chariot wheels by sonar? They said, well, maybe this thing really did happen here. No kidding, ding dong. By the way, when the Egyptians saw it take place, they weren't afraid of the Hebrews. They were afraid of their God. They said, it's the God of the Hebrews. We better get out of here. We saw what he just did with our firstborn. We saw what he did with the frogs and the lice and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's at work again. Uh-oh, this is not good. Well, guess what? They recognized it too late. <laughs> I love this statement. The very water that God parted for the, for the Hebrews, he used to destroy the Egyptians. The very deliverance that he gave his people, he used against the enemy. By the way, it wasn't the last obstacle the Hebrews were going to face in the wilderness. Just because he delivers you once doesn't mean it's all all gone. You get through one battle, I hate to tell you something, breathe quick because there's another one coming. So, well, my kids are growing and I got through this stage. (laughs) There's another one coming. They say the reward for not killing your children as teenagers is grandkids. I'm starting to understand that statement. 
Now, wait a minute. Can I tell you something? As you parent adult children, they have adult problems. The older they get, the bigger the problems are and the more expensive. Teach them to drive and they crash your car. Yeah, it gets a little bit more expensive than messing a diaper and exploding one. But that's awful. Yeah, but I'd rather have blow a diaper out than blow a car up. Anybody understand? The bigger they get, the bigger the problems. And if they grow up in West Virginia, don't teach them the phrase, watch this, y'all. Not good. May I say something? They were going to face a lot of problems. But don't you think a God that could open the Red Sea, cross them over on dry ground, kill the enemy army after 10 plagues, don't you think they would quit complaining and just trust God? No, because two or three days later they're whining and complaining. You brought us out here to die. We don't have any food. We don't have any water. We wish we were back in Egypt. You bunch of ding-dongs. Eating watermelon and leeks. Now you talk, and onions. You talk about a combination. I wouldn't be wanting watermelon and onions and leeks, let me tell you. They always seem to be whining and complaining and not looking at the deliverance. We're all going to have tough days, tough events. We're going to have some Red Sea moments. But can I tell you something? The God that opened the Red Sea for the Hebrews in the book of Exodus is the same God we have today. And he said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the very same God that opened the Red Sea can get you through your problem. I promise you. I've seen him do it over and over and over and over again. Say, preacher, don't you get all wound up and don't you get nervous? Not at all. I've said this to you before. I'll say it a thousand times before I die. I'm sure again. I don't know how he's going to deliver, but I just know he is. I don't have to understand how. I just have to understand who. I don't worry about the how. God will take care of it. Say, do you really live that way? I do. You won't see me all wound up. You won't see me all depressed and discouraged and, oh, I got that. No, God's going to take care of it. I've seen him do it so many times. Why would I worry? I just have to keep moving. Got to keep going forward. Let's not stop. Hey, our country, God told us, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. If it could get worse. But guess what? 30 years ago, we never thought it could get any worse. 20 years ago. Five years ago. Oh, Trump's so bad. Would to God we had him back. Bidenomics is working. Yeah, for Biden. That's the only one. But the problem isn't the White House. The problem is the church house. Problem isn't politics. Problem is the pulpits. Preachers are afraid to proclaim the truth. Well, you found one that's not afraid. And we're not changing the truth to, ex- to accommodate the world. No, it's time for them to change and accommodate God. Well, we don't want to offend anybody. I'm so sick and tired of that statement. Their, their filth offends me. 
Their filth is vile. If we would not be afraid of the truth, maybe they would be a little bit more afraid of their evil. If my people, which are called by my name, it's our job to live the truth. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. So much I want to say, but I won't. I don't know what Red Sea you're crossing. I don't know what Red Sea you face, but I will tell you this. If you're not facing it now, one day you will be. God gives us the plan of how to do it. Who'd say, preacher, if I died today, I'm 100% sure. I know for sure that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. Would you raise your hand? You may put your hands down. Thank you so much. Is there one that would say, preacher, if I died today, I don't know that. I won't embarrass you. I won't come to you. I won't call you out. I promise I will not. But is there one that would say, preacher, if I died today, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to know it someday. Would you raise your hand? All right. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon, something I needed today. Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul. Many, many, many hands. You may put them down.